Hello and welcome to this week's episode from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter, as featured on BBC Radio 4 Extra's Podcast Hour, BBC Radio Manchester and also now BBC Radio Lancashire. Joining me today is Kerry Baker, a multi-award winning pro makeup artist specialising in weddings from Lancashire. We're going to be chatting about makeup, but also how it's been um, during the pandemic. So welcome to the podcast, Kerry. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. I am on a first day off after a run of 10 weddings in 12 days. So it's nice to have my feet up for a change. Wow. That's like intense why don't you take me back to sort of as you were growing up have you always been into makeup no um it's it's a funny story actually because makeup was the hobby that became the profession but I didn't get into it until like my late 20s um so originally uh, I was a nursery nurse and a nanny for about five years and while I was doing that I did a degree at university which does come in handy I have a psychology degree um but I also did deaf studies as well so I learned sign language and then did a postgrad in sign language and communication studies and then worked for eight years in education um communicating for students so completely different (laughs) completely different to what I do now um but it's amazing how handy it comes in and you know you do sometimes quite you you revert back to your psychology when you're trying to deal with brides and fraught bridesmaids on wedding mornings I was gonna say like just chilling their nerves and you know last minute stresses a psychology degree would be very interesting to like help um so was it a case of just sort of practice makes perfect when you got into becoming a makeup artist or did you do a course and train how does it work so when I was sort of playing with the idea of getting into doing makeup and weddings I actually started working for one of these at-home party plan companies Mm -hmm. where you take makeup into people's houses and you know put it on then they buy it from you Um, and I started doing that just to to get out the house just to do you know a bit of extra side hustle kind of thing Uh, and I actually found I really enjoyed the you know the networking with people meeting people and that feeling that you get when you know, somebody puts a lipstick on that you've recommended and they're like, oh my God, this is the perfect shade. Um, and then I built that up for a couple of years and one of my regulars actually asked me to do her makeup for a wedding day. Um, so complete novice that I was, I mean, we're going back 14 years, complete novice that I was back then. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Thinking how hard can it be? Well, that was a baptism of fire. But I realised then how much I loved it and what you know um how rewarding it was so I thought right bingo this is what I want to do so because I'd already done a degree I didn't want to do another three years university course Mm. I wasn't interested in doing special effects or you know tv and things like that I wanted to be in the wedding industry so I honed in on professional courses that were specific to that so the very much the beauty-based courses um I did a professional um 
college course in um, sort of the beauty side of things to get my knowledge of um, infection control, hygiene, all that sort of thing. So, you know, that was that was really important to get that. But then I sort of honed in on the professional courses as I say I was back and forth to London quite a bit on weekends and everything doing the, like the little trainer courses and stuff. Um, and then since then, you kind of keep up with training things, you kind of keep up with current trends and things like that. But yeah, that's how it all started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't do anyone else's makeup. I know in lockdown, I tried to do my mum's and it's like, I can't, I just can't do other people's makeup. I think I can do the face and like the eyebrows, but the eyes, it's just, it goes horrendously wrong. So I think it's such a skill when you can do it and not shake or, and like, not have to hold the head and the the whole of the face when you're doing it and not oh sh- you do hold the head you just do it very carefully so that they don't yeah. realize that's what you're doing not just flat <laughs> hand on top of the forehead no. <laughs> so what are your favorite makeup looks so my preference is for natural beauty I really don't like the caked on look um it seems to be quite fashionable at the moment when you see all the YouTubers and things and they're layering on and layering on and so that at the end it just looks so painted on. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, makeup should be whatever you want it to be. You know, it's it's an expression of yourself. It's an expression of personality. And if you want that Kate on, look, you go for it. I'm, I'm not judging anybody. My preference is that you should be able to still see the skin underneath. So it's used to enhance what's that especially because I'm in the bridal industry um you know to me it's all about expressing your own personality but kind of keeping it so that you're going to look back at it in years to come and you're not going to think oh my god how much makeup was I wearing on my wedding day mm-hmm. goodness me yeah because I feel like you do want it to be you don't want it to be and I use the words in like inverted commas like really fake you kind of mm-hmm. you kind of and I know that's like Vin talks about on Love Island and everything I don't know if you're watching it no, uh, Lucy, I don't watch Love Island, but trust me, I feel like I can tell you what happens in every episode because every wedding I've done for the last two weeks, all they're talking about is Love Island. Well, I, I I enjoy watching it because I just find it interesting, like how they all, you know, interact and that. But they like wear so much makeup every day. But um, yeah, like when it's sometimes I've seen, you know, when you do put so much sort of face makeup, so mm-hmm. the foundation, and then it creases under your eyes and it just doesn't look. Yep um so yeah so are you are you more of a a natural eye and a sort of a natural lip as well sort of both natural sort of part I bridal makeup is a there's a a rule that goes with bridal makeup is to make it look as you know natural as possible in a way of you make a balance between the three features so the eyes the lips and the face like the cheeks should all be in balance so that not one stands out over the other. That's what you're taught. Um, but nowadays there are no rules, um, you know, and to me, I would rather put makeup on a client and make them feel comfortable. So the, the other day I had um, a bride who was very different in her sort of approach, very unique personality. Um, the wedding had elements of Harry Potter, Marvel, Bioshock, which I don't quite know what it is, um so for her it was important that she didn't look mm. bridal she didn't have the sort of the typical natural sort of smoky eye kind of idea so for her um we used a red glitter pigment we used oranges and we created this fire blend on her eyes and she was over the moon with it anyone else looking at that would be like 
wow, that's not bridal makeup, but mm. it was perfect for her. So to me, it's all about that sort of finding a balance that what looks good on camera, what looks good in person, but also makes them feel like themselves. Um, so what are your sort of favourite makeup brands that you use on yourself or that you use for your, your brides when you're doing their makeup? Well, for me, everything has to be cruelty free. Um, I don't use anything that's been tested on animals. Um, so no Mac, NARS, anything like that is in the kit. Um, and also wherever possible, I like to use vegan products as well. Um, and I'm also sort of trying to go down the sort of the ethical route with as far as um, environmentally friendly things and stuff. Um, so my favourite products to use, my brands are um, Illamasqua, which is a, a British company, um, Urban Decay, Charlotte Tilbury, Iconic London. Um, there's a few Beauty Bay products in there as well. Um, skincare wise, I love a company called Glossier. Yeah. Um, Jeffree Star, I've got a few of his products as well. So yeah, it's it's not a huge range. I don't have like hundreds of different brands in there. I'm very specific about the ones that I use, but they all, as I say, must be cruelty free. That's the biggest thing. And like fashion trends, like hair trends, are there like makeup looks that change like in the years and fashion, like fashion trends do? The biggest change is brows. You oh. can date a person's look quite often by the brow. Um, and it's one thing we're taught throughout sort of like makeup through the decades and things like that. It's always defined by the brows. So we've got this really, really skinny brows that uh, those of us old enough to remember used to pluck them to like a really tiny thin line. Um, whereas now we've gone full scale and it's the big fluffy laminated brows. So it's one extreme to the other at the moment. What do you think of those? You know, what, like you brush them up, don't you? And like feather them out a bit, the eyebrows. I prefer a groomed brow to a laminated brow. So I think it's important that, you know, the hair should be tidy yeah. um, in their place. But the laminated where they're all sort of stuck up like on a, you know, 90 degree vertical angle, you just look surprised. <laughs> I just think it looks really silly and the funny thing is as well is what people don't realize is a lot of the trends that we see coming through into everyday makeup a yeah. lot of it is actually inspired by drag queens yeah contouring and things like that makeup artists professional makeup artists have been contouring for years it's something we've always done but drag queens use that obviously to accentuate the features and to you know to, to drag uh, to, to contour really really sharp angles in their faces that's been brought into modern day normal makeup the same with laminated brows laminated brows are actually what drag queens do to hide their brows yeah. they glue them on with a prit stick powder it down as much as they can and press them flat to the face so they can hide them and block the brow mm. whereas now we're seeing girls do that and laminating them up and I just look at people when they've done it and I think oh my god it looks like a drag queen's brow before they faked it and powdered yeah. it and everything. Like that though, a constant state of surprise. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always just had my eyebrows like just normal. I know it's like they're probably a bit boring, but just like you brush them in the right way and then put a bit of pencil or whatever through them, and then it's. Mm -hmm. But um, and yeah, then the brows are the curtains of the face. <laughs> yeah, because a couple, maybe. 
like seven or eight years ago, I didn't used to do my brows. I'd do everything else. And then when you start to do them, you think, oh my gosh, you feel so naked if you've not just like filled them in a bit, don't you? You just feel a bit, ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And then- well, I think most people have become very conscious of the brows because of wearing masks recently, because it's one of the few things you can actually see on mm-hmm. the face. So everything else below the eyes is gone. So I know a lot of people have been telling me that they've been doing the brows, even if they're not wearing much makeup, they'll do the brows and mascara because that's the part of the face that they can see. And even more so the people that are doing Zoom meetings and stuff, because it's the one part of the face that really stands out in a Zoom. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Is that what else is there then in the current sort of makeup trends other than the eyebrow laminatedness that's currently here, would you say? I think we're going more dewy um, with the skin again. Um, There was a period of time where it was very matte, um, you know, sort of of foundation face and things like that. Uh, Whereas now we're going toward dewy skin. Um, Mm. There was a time when it was very matte, but you'd have a really strong highlight going on on the face. Um, Whereas now there's a lot more products coming in that are creating a dewy finish to the skin. So there's a lot more sort of iridescent products. There's a lot more um, sheer products for cheap products and things like that. So the, the trends with the, the skin type has gone from matte to dewy, definitely. But you just have to be really careful with that, not to overdo it. So it doesn't look too shiny or sweaty, as yeah. people would call it. I'm a big fan of the, oh, my friend gave it me because she ordered the wrong colour. It was like, is the Charlotte Tilbury? Is it the Flawless? foundation flawless filter yeah i like that because it's quite like dewy but then is even... it in a round glass bottle with a gold yeah. lid and yeah a big doe foot applicator yeah that's the flawless yeah. filter but equally i then wouldn't put highlighter on with that because then it's just like shine um yes yeah and then for an evening look let's say like maybe not a bridal look but just a general evening look is it is it like either smoky eye nude lip or subtle eye and heavy lip is that still the kind of rule uh it is um but i mean people stopped doing evening looks for about 18 months so i think everybody's getting let loose again and going oh what do i do um but yeah i think there's a lot of emphasis again uh people seem to have lost confidence with doing eyeshadow there's not when I've got people coming for trials and things like that and we're chatting and I'm saying what do you do for your own makeup kind of thing and um, most of them you know the ladies that I speak to it's all about definition on with a little bit of eyeliner um, less emphasis on eyeshadow these days or if they're doing the eyeshadow it tends to be one um, wash of colour a bit of shimmer on the eyes um, and again the whole mask situation means people have lost confidence with the lipstick because they're just not wearing it underneath the mask. So it'll be interesting to see over the next 12 months what happens with that because we've just not been going out. So it's like it's like an open book at the moment for people who are going out and you know in the evening and stuff and their makeovers and things. But we do still get a lot of influence from the red carpets and things like that and what the celebrities are doing makeup wise. And it, it's gone down to smoky eyes, not as popular as it used to be. People still love it. I still love doing it. But the shape's changed a little bit. It's not as exaggerated as it used to be. And so if you so if um, you were chatting to like a teenager and they're wanting to get into the makeup, but they don't 
don't know where to start what would your sort of do's and don'ts or like tips for someone or they don't have to be a teenager just anyone like what would your sort of do's and don'ts be so it's that funny you asked that because a friend of mine actually asked me to go around and do a, a tutorial for her teenage daughter recently um who loves her makeup but just needed some pointing in the right direction mm-hmm. and when I went around I said to her right put your makeup on if you would do normally let me see what you're doing and what we can you know sort of work with and the biggest thing was the brows again they were the brows were so heavy um and I think people are just going to an extreme somewhat with brows and not sort of knowing where to stop so especially teenagers I think it's all about exaggerating and once you get comfortable with something you just go more and more and more so I think for I would always say the first thing you need to do before you even look at makeup is to get your skin in good condition. You can't put makeup on poor skin, basically. Um, And the better you look after your skin, the less makeup you're actually going to need. So skincare prep is something that I always talk to all my clients about, whether it's a bride coming for her trial, um, she's got dry skin and we need to improve it before the wedding day, somebody who's suffering a little bit with breakouts, that kind of thing. It always starts with skincare prep. Um, and then we build up. Um, so I would sort of say, right, you know, what what kind of look is it that you want to do? Is it something quite simple and day to day? Is it more of an evening look? And then focus on, you know, the sort of elements of their face that they maybe struggle with. So like with eyes, you know, talk to them about the fact that your eyes are always a different shape, how to level that up if they're struggling with eyeliner, tips and tricks to sort of help them put an eyeliner on with confidence. Um, the same goes with cheeks. A lot of people sort of say, oh, I'd love to be able to contour. I don't know how to do it. It's about using the right products and sort of showing them really simple hints and tips that they can go, oh, my God, I can do that. That's that's really easy. And I also when I'm doing these teachers, I get them to do it to themselves. I don't sort of do it for them. You hold your brush. I will show you, but you hold your brush and you put it on your face rather than watching anybody else. Because if you don't learn how to do it, if you don't learn the techniques and how much pressure to apply or things like that, it's never going to be, you know, you're never going to get the best out of it. But I think the basic basic thing for anybody is get the skin in good condition first before you start putting makeup on. Definitely. And as you mentioned about eyeliner and people have different eye shapes were you saying that everyone has each eye is a different shape as well mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, if you what, t- if you were to take a photo of your face literally photo of your face and flip one side to the other so it's like a mirror image it will freak you out because it does not look like you if you look in the mirror everyone's eyes are slightly different um it's the same with brows you you know there's the I'll say in your brows are sisters, not twins. <laughs> face, nobody's face is exactly symmetrical. They're always slightly off. So with your eyes, one everybody's got one eye that's maybe comes lower than the other, or sort of the, the lift is slightly more. I always say I can tell a teacher because their brows are always one brow is always slightly higher than the other because of the way they look at the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So what what um I, I struggle with a flick. So I can do like, so what would your tips be for a, a flick? And where do you so, start? Some people start like in the middle of the lid. Some people start. Yeah. Like... It very much depends on your eye shape. So the more open your eyes and the more lid you can see when your eyes are open, 
the thicker you can go with your liner. If you've got hooded eyes, like I have, then you've got to be a lot finer with it because the way you put the line will basically make your eyes look smaller. So the best thing to do is look in the mirror with your eyes open and determine the eye shape, first of all, okay? The next thing to do is rather than go on straight with an eyeliner, use a very, very fine eyeliner brush and use a soft brown eyeshadow to map it out. Mm-hmm. So if you get that wrong, it's easier to correct than going straight on with a, a liner, sort of a, a liquid eyeliner or a coal eyeliner, because once you've done that, you really struggle to correct it. So always start from the outside of the eye, draw a little trace line as to where you want to go and look straight on in the mirror when you do it, eyes open, look straight in and draw your trace line. Always do the eye that you find the hardest to do first, because if you do the best, if you do the, everybody's got one eye that can do better than the other. If you do that one first and you're trying to match the worst one to the best one, you'll always struggle. If you do the worst eye first and match your good eye to it, it's always going to go a lot easier and it's a lot less stressful. So once you've got your trace line sorted and you're happy with it, then go on with the liquid. Always start, I, I tend to say to people, if you've got a liquid eyeliner, start from the outside line, draw it in part way and then turn the brush around and go and join it back. But don't try and do one long continuous sweep just do little tiny bits at a time once you've got it and once you feel confident then you can start drawing the line across a little bit further but it's the best thing to do is you you trace line and then you can get it right first and always have um a cotton pad or a cotton bud with some eye makeup remover to hand when you're doing it so if you've done it and it's slightly wrong you can just correct it straight away rather than oh i've put my liner on it's starting to dry Where's my where's my cotton buds? Where's my eye makeup remover? Oh no, because by the time you found them, it's dry and it's harder to budge. Yeah. And how like long can you do your flicks? Like what is the acceptable? I mean, it's makeup, so it's it's art in a way, isn't it? But like you can do it to like where your eyebrow ends, if you know for a dramatic look, or what's your sort of go-to for that? Yeah, so I think Amy Winehouse took it to an extreme. Mm. (laughs) Um, For me, again, eyeliner is becoming another thing where um, there's trends changing. So there's a trend at the moment to do a cat eye and it comes right into the inner corner of your eye. Um, That's quite a tricky thing to do. Um, But I would always say, don't go too far to start with. Just do a small line and feel comfortable. And once you are comfortable with that and you're, you know, you feel a bit more confident about doing it, you can exaggerate the line a bit more. There's nothing to stop you, but just sort of bear in mind that the further out you go, the harder it is to stay symmetrical. Yeah. No, that's interesting. The whole Amy Winehouse, her wings were massive, weren't they? So the cat eye, that's just doing it sort of by the inside of your eye as well. I've never seen it. Yeah. Yeah, so there's the, the the flick on the outside of the eye, mm-hmm. and then there's now um, it's quite um, it's quite an exotic look. It's it, it, it's inspired from like Arabian kind of makeup because they exaggerate the inner corner, um, mm-hmm. and it's basically drawing um, from here inside the eye and bringing it towards the top of the nose. And you only put a tiny bit in, but it's it basically gives you a really nice sort of elongated, exaggerated shape. Um, Again, it's just, it's one of those trends that's come in. It's probably not going to last, but it's just something that people have started doing today. And you see it a lot on YouTube and things. And what are your tips if people have got smaller eyes, but want them to look bigger? How can they do that? 
So again, it very much depends on the eye shape. Um, it's not just having a case of having a small eye. Um, a lot of people have got petite features, but they might. It's all about how much eye you can actually see when your eyes are open. Because like me, I hate my eyes for for the simple reason that I can do all these fancy eye colours and everything else. I open my eyes and because I've got hooded eyes, they just disappear, and it's so oh. frustrating. Um, but the trick is, depending on again on the eye shape, you can exaggerate. Um, you can bring a little bit of eyeshadow above the crease to lift the eye. Um, eyeliner, again, you can use it as a corner to flick it. Again, it lifts the eye up. Um, you can also use false lashes to create an open eye look. So it's all about lifting the top of the eye up and making the eyes look bigger. Um, and it's about clever placement of eyeshadow as well. You don't want to go all the way across the eye. You just want to concentrate it on the outer corner and creating that lift effect. Um, a little bit of a shimmer product placed in the inner corner can also help that because it creates like a reflective um, aspect to the eye and then it opens it up again. The one thing you don't want to do if you've got small eyes is put liner on the top and liner on the bottom, especially in the waterline, because anywhere you put two lines is literally going to close. It's like, oh, really? door. it's like you're closing. Yeah. So you can put a tiny bit in the corner and again, do this lifting effect. So you sort of blend it out. But I wouldn't go all the way across. Um, especially if you're doing liner on top, because where there's two lines, you'll always sort of make it, things look smaller. I see. It's very interesting. So would you say my eyes, they're not hooded, my eyes, would you say? I wouldn't have thought so. Your eyes are quite the, like an almond-shaped eye, but they're quite um, open here. Um, but you, yeah. haven't, you don't look like you've got a deep crease. Um, so if you, you haven't got a deep set eye so you've got some people have like deep set eyes where they go so if you can see quite an exaggerated crease here um whereas yours are quite open so yeah it's interesting good eyeliner I... shape on your eyes actually looking at them and what, what did you say so uh, you, you're prime for a good eyeliner on them well i i always do the good eye first so i'm going to do the bad eye first now but i think yeah. that's also to do with my eyesight because i can close one eye and still see properly but then the other eye it's like not as good um and so if we go back to sort of bridal makeup how does it feel like is there a pressure knowing that you're doing their face that's going to be on their wedding photos and people are going to look at them and oh don't you look pretty and all that like how is that on the day there is a certain element of you know sort of responsibility on your shoulders definitely but I think because I've been doing it for so long you just you, you just go into sort of you know automatic pilot you just crack on um it's not so much the makeup that I feel pressure with nowadays it's more you know, making sure that everything runs to time, mm. um, you know, everybody's where they're supposed to be. There's so many elements to a bridal prep morning that, you know, you sort of constantly like checking around things and making sure everybody's doing it. The hairdresser's on time, the photographer's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, the amount of prep that goes into a bridal morning these days, because there's so much going on, that I kind of, I don't know, it's not that I forget, oh, the responsibility of doing somebody's makeup. Um, I think it's just... I think it's with any high pressure job, you just develop a, a, a sort of way of coping, I think. And I don't really think about it these days, to be honest. I don't think about that responsibility. Maybe I should. <laughs> and what is it? So how long does it take? So say if you've got like, like talk me through it. So your bride, how long would her makeup take? But if it's a bridal party with like, I don't know, four bridesmaids, 
how long does it take? Because you, you'll have to start early if they get married at like 12. Yeah, so what I do is when the bride comes around for her trial, we have a chat about, you know, the sort of look that we're going to go for that morning, but also what the bridesmaids are going to want. So if I'm go if I know I'm going to go and do a bridal party where all the bridesmaids are very, very natural girls, they don't wear a lot of makeup, there's no lashes, you know, we're not going to be sticking false lashes on anybody. And general rule of thumb is their makeover is going to be about half an hour. If we're going a bit more where, you know, smoky eyes, contouring, lashes, then it's usually around 45 minutes. But I always try and allow the 45 minutes because just in case something happens or one of the bridesmaids changes their minds and go, oh, can I have false lashes on the morning? So it's like 45 minutes per bridesmaid. Yes. So it would be about 45 minutes per bridesmaid. Mums is usually about half an hour because nine times out of 10, mums want a really natural makeover. They don't want anything too heavy. Um, and then I always allow an hour for a bridal makeover. It, it never takes me an hour to do their makeup from start to finish. But there's always something that happens in that hour that might stop you from being able to do their makeup. So for example, the flowers arrive and the bride wants to stop for five minutes and go and have a look at the flowers that have arrived. Somebody's lost and they can't find the venue. So they pass the phone to the bride and the bride has to talk them through how to get to the venue. The hairdresser might have got a little bit behind. So they're five minutes late to come and have the makeup done or so much can happen that you, I always allow more time than I really need. Um, and then my aim is to have the bride finished ready makeup hair everything done an hour before they need to speak to the registrars or before they need to leave if they get married in church so that they've got an hour then to have a glass of prosecco have a photo with the bridesmaids in the dressing gowns that they've all had you know initialed and stuff and then they can all go and get dressed and have plenty of time to do that rather than like all hell breaking yeah. loose you don't want it to be rushed have you ever had it happen where i mean you will have done you do a trial with the bride and then on the day she's like, actually, I'd like this instead. Has that happened before? Yeah, it's happened, but it's not, it's never a huge change. It's never anything, you know, where they want a completely different look. Um, I always talk to a bride on the wedding day and we'll have a quick look at the photos from the trial and say, right, are you happy with that? Is there anything you want to tweet? If there is anything, usually it's like they'll, they'll like a little bit more bronzer, a little bit more um blush a little bit darker on the eyes um but the thing is as well is i think this goes back to the psychology degree and the experience that i have when brides come for a trial they're in their normal clothes they've not had their hair done they're just you know sort of schlepping about between jobs so the trial makeup is never identical to their wedding day makeup because on the wedding day I have to judge this personally by each bride. But usually on the wedding day, I will go ever so slightly more. If I did to the bride what they are going to get on the wedding day, on the trial, they might feel it's a bit too much. Yeah. But once they've had the hair done, their accessories are on, the jewellery's on, the wedding dress is on. If I did exactly the same, they might feel it's a little bit too, it's not enough. Mm. But it's about using your professional judgment to know when to do that, you know, um, and quite often brides will have a tan for the wedding day and they haven't had a tan for the trial. So, again, it's about adapting what we've used to make sure that it fits with the colour of their skin tone on the wedding day 
so that now they're bronzed and you know glowing whereas on the wedding day they they weren't they were sort of normal skin tone and a bit pale so again it's about just tweaking things so that it captures what we did at the trial but looks suitable actually on the wedding day as well and obviously we, we need to like talk about how it's been for you in the pandemic I know you were saying which is like a small world that um the last wedding you did before lockdown was the one that we had Rachel Ovenden the photographer on she was the photographer for that wedding um how has it been difficult <laughs> very difficult so I when this all started coming and you know make, being made apparent that there was this thing called COVID-19 coronavirus you know we were still just cracking on thinking nothing of it you know we were just thinking oh come on I even made jokes about oh I want to catch it and then I'm immune and I can crack on you know never did I ever think that we wouldn't be allowed to do weddings and things and we'd be stopped from working so I we started being made aware of it obviously sort of January February time and we did start to get a few brides that was contacting us to say look I'm really worried about my wedding date I want to move it so this started before the lockdown um and about two or three weeks beforehand we started to get some emails through and especially for the brides that you know had plans to say go abroad and things like that they were starting to get worried um and then I had um a wedding on the Friday and the Saturday just before we got locked down on the Monday. So the Friday um, was the one with Rachel and the Saturday wedding, the bride actually contacted me on the Wednesday and bless her, she's severely asthmatic. She just had to cancel a wedding completely because oh. she said, I can't, I can't run the risk. So she canceled a wedding like four days beforehand on the Saturday. And we were all there on that last wedding on the Friday, like in shock. It was because guests were dropping out left right and center on her as well because they didn't want to run the risk there was elderly relatives nobody knew what was going on there was this virus going around it was you know taking people's lives so that wedding was particularly difficult because the bride was really starting to feel the pressure and she was really worried so then obviously the lockdown happened on the Monday and I think we were all just like in shock of just mm -hmm. how much you know how much impact this was going to have so the, the email started to come through, obviously the cancellations, the postponements, people moving dates. And it was about three months of organized chaos as people were shuffling dates, contacting us, moving wedding dates, they were contacting venues, contacting suppliers, contacting us. So, you know, it, we, we kind of had to have that counseling session with brides as well. I had brides ringing me in tears, like, I don't know what to do, Kerry, I don't know what to do for the best. And I remember having conversations with them and saying, you know, some of them moved to July in the same year, thinking they'd be OK. And then it became apparent that they wouldn't be. So I've had brides who have since got married this year and they were on their fourth wedding day because they kept moving it a few months in a, a time, thinking they'd be OK. They'd be out of the woods and it wasn't to be. So then come July we were able to start working we were given notice we could start working again but the problem was as a makeup artist we watched hairdressers open you know you could have your hair done for your wedding but you couldn't have your makeup done because as close contact we were not allowed to work because we were seen as too high risk because the thing is for us is we could wear all the PPE but our clients can't wear PPE while we're doing the makeup because you've got to take your mask off to have your makeup done and it was obviously makeup artists were too high risk you know we're not hygienic we're not clean people um so then we were given the go-ahead um late July so that we could start doing makeup and weddings had started by then but we were so frustrated we just wanted to do it 
And then because I'm in Preston, we had one of the highest rates. So we was we were delayed from working again because of the local lockdown. So when we finally got to do some weddings in August, oh my God, it was the best day ever. My first wedding that I did, I didn't even do a trial with her because we couldn't get it in. But I'd done, um, she's got three sisters and two of them are identical twins. And I'd previously done the two identical twins weddings the year before and the year before that. So she was like, Kerry, I trust you. You know what you're doing. You've done my face before. Just come on the wedding day and just crack on. Um, Unfortunately, they were all working in the medical profession as well. So they all knew that I had to wear the PPE and I was the visor on, the mask on. God, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And you second question in everything. But just to be back doing weddings, it was a it was a joy. It was such a privilege to be able to do it again. Um, but even then, we were having to deal with the cancellations, the postponements, mm-hmm. people moving dates back and forth. You know, we some of us were I was very fortunate that, you know, I was I was given government um, financial support, which was great. But there was other people who we, we, we just didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we had the short period where we could work again. December comes and we shut down again so it all the the whole thing started rolling again and then we got the roadmap in February um and I think that made everybody's decision that helped everybody sort of go right we know when we can have our wedding we know how many people can come some people went for the 30 some people held on some people have moved to 2023 2024 so yeah it's it's been a heck of a juggle and um a big struggle making sure that you know everything's organized and stuff but to actually be back doing the weddings again and the busiest period ever as we try and fit everybody in um, ask I was going to ask now you're back if it's been if it's been busier than pre-covid times it has massively so I mean normally sort of July and August are our busy times anyway you know you sort of June July August are very busy um, and you would expect, a, certainly with summer holidays as well, the six week summer holidays is when all the teachers pack their weddings in because that's when they can have a wedding and go on honeymoon afterwards. So you'd, you know, you'd expect to be doing three weddings a week, if not four, sort of July and August time. But for example, I've just done 10 weddings in 12 days and three of those are a full day. So I do a package where I offer a full day service. And three of those were full day weddings as well. And this is the first day off I've had where I've got nothing else on, no trials, no other commitments, no nothing. So I'm absolutely exhausted. So <laughs> is a, exhausted. Is a full day one where you like you touch them up at night, you like just check, you know, what is it? So the all day package is basically everybody thinks, is it just makeup touch ups through the day? It is. That is part of it. But the makeup's that good. It does not need touching up every five minutes. So it's not just about, you know, the, the makeup side of things. It's like having a personal assistant for the day. So, you know, there's all sorts of things that I end up doing. Um, a bride the other day had me running up and down the stairs to fetch stuff for her kids because she's just it was too hot. She couldn't do it. Um and the other day I had a wedding where the bride had the most incredible detailed veil so I spoke to the photographer I said right we need to get this on shot on on camera and she wasn't for having group photos or any anything going on but I was like she needs this picture in her album so we teed it up with a photographer we laid the veil out and everything and I spent ages setting this dress up and it's going to make for the most incredible shot um 
there is the evening touch-up as well. So we'll take the bride upstairs, we'll refresh. If she wants an evening look, um, this particular bride went from quite a neutral nude lip during the day to a full-on red lip, more eyeliner, the full Hollywood glamour look. She went downstairs and everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, she looks amazing. Um, but yeah, there's, there's loads that I end up doing now. I've, I've, I can't tell you the amount of stuff that I've done because it would just it would fill a book. <laughs> um. And I guess like we still don't know in terms of in the autumn time what's going to happen with weddings in in the sense that we're free as so-called now but sort of in September they're saying aren't they you need double vaccinations to go into nightclubs and that and whether they'll when when if people go back to school that they tighten the things again it's all a bit up in the air still for weddings and I just feel really sorry for everyone working in the industry and the brides and everything. It's just tough, isn't it? It is. It's really tough because there's the element of, yay, we're, we're back working. This is great. We're back in the thick of it and we're all absolutely exhausted, but happy. Um, and we're, I think most of us are actually looking forward to the end of August because it, even though the, the, the wedding train rolls on all year round, there is that glimmer of the break. But then we've also got that, oh, God, please don't don't go backwards. You know, we've just got to the stage where all restrictions are off with weddings, dance floors are back, no masks in ceremonies. And the, the difference and the feeling is incredible. Um, and everybody's saying just how much more they appreciate weddings and this ability to get together as a group. Um, and I think to, to go back on that would just be soul destroying because we've all got to a point where I don't think we can do it again. I really don't think the industry can cope with another, you know, another sort of step backwards again. Yeah. And just sort of to sum up, so if people have been listening to this or there's any brides to be out there who are like, oh, I'd like to get in touch with Kerry to sort of have a trial or something, what, how can they get in contact with you? So I always say the best way to get in contact is either through email or my um, website. I have an inquiry form on my website. It's just easy to keep track of any correspondence. If people want to drop me a quick message on Instagram or on my Facebook page, that's absolutely fine. Um, but it's not the place to send a wedding inquiry through because I have that many coming in from that many different directions. It's really hard to keep up. But if somebody wants to say, oh, hi, are you available on such and such a day? I'm getting married, da 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 I'll always respond and tell you if I'm available. Um, and then obviously you're directed to the website or the email and then we can start that conversation. And what are your email and website details? So my website is www.kerrybakermakeup.co.uk. Um, my email is kerrybakermua at yahoo.com. Great. And if anyone out there is wanting to get in touch with Kerry, then I'd highly recommend it. She's very enthusiastic about it all and it's good it's just nice to talk about makeup and everything so thanks for coming on today Kerry I really enjoyed it it's been a pleasure I've loved talking to you thanks for listening and we'll see you next week to keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire lass Follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.